let it load and everything. Make sure I share my screen. Okay, it's ready. All right, hey everybody, welcome to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. And if you're watching this from Chaplin's Logs, that's Justin Lee's house YouTube channel. He's on my uh, left, on the right on the camera, I'm, AKA Einstein. I'm Sean Christopher Jenkins, AKA Dr. J. Thanks for joining my YouTube channel again. If you haven't already subscribed, go ahead and subscribe. If you haven't liked this video, video you should go ahead and like it because it's about to be amazing. I feel like all my videos are amazing, but anyways, to I finally got back to doing Sunday school lessons for my church. My church started back Sunday school, and I'm gonna be trying to do Sunday school lessons every week. So you guys pray for me on that. I don't know how I'm gonna do with that. It's it's really hard because you guys know how prepared I like to be and how I like to look at my notes and take a lot of notes. But today for this video, I can't afford to do that because Justin has wedding plans and stuff like that with him and his beautiful bride and her family. I think his family too. So uh, yeah, guys. So today we got a lesson for you guys on Isaiah 49 verses 1 through 13. And uh, the title of the Sunday School lesson from the International Sunday School lesson, that's one of the uh, books for it in the Liberating Faith Studies. Uh, the title of the lesson is God Foretells of Redemption. And again, we're coming from Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. Justin, did you have a setting for Isaiah 49? You said you were looking at the background and looking uh, at yeah so obviously like uh isaiah uh like isaiah has been put on he's been put on the spot because the land of israel is supposed to be this land that brings salvation um but they're obviously like falling into sin gosh it actually i feel like that's when i say that out loud it's that's the story for like every nation that god puts his trust in they're supposed to be a holy example of what you're supposed to do, but they just fail again and again. But that's what makes chapter 49 so special is because now we're getting the perspective from the Messiah, the servant Messiah or Jesus. But um, Isaiah is called to tell, Isaiah is called to tell the people what to expect. Like in the first chapter, way back in chapter one, he's telling them how, uh, they're going to have to be banished, how they're going to have to be in exile, how they have to go through all these trials. And lo and behold, in later chapters, that's proven correct. And in, in, in history, we actually see the land that once was Judah or the land that once was Samaria be like torn apart and they're no longer a nation. But on top of that, God also promises that he will restore them. Um, and it's not going to be based on their own power this time. It's going to be based on a servant that he deems worthy or he deems um, is able to actually bring them out of this exile. So that's where we come into chapter 49 is suddenly we, we've been hearing Isaiah speak so far. And Isaiah's name even means like servant of God. So um, he's been telling the people that they need to listen up. But now on chapter 49, suddenly we hear from another voice. And a lot of scholars think that this voice is actually um, Jesus based on the context that Isaiah is talking about a Messiah and then the Messiah speaks for him. Right. So that's where we're, where we're at right now. Yeah. And then something I'd like to add too. So Isaiah 49 is one of 
four passages in the Bible that's referred to as the servant songs. And uh -huh. servant songs is actually another term. So another term for it is the suffering servant uh, psalms or the, well, not psalms, but the suffering servant uh, passages and then the servant poems. That's what these four poems and passages of the Messiah are all about. So, uh, yeah, so uh, I wouldn't say what they are, but I'll let you guys look that up. But Isaiah 49, 1 through 7 is one of that one of those uh suffering servant passages and that's what we're focusing on today oh were you gonna say something oh and just i think the first the first uh servant song is chapter 42 so i think the four songs between 42 and 49 in isaiah yeah it was 42 uh one through four was one and then mm -hmm. isaiah 54 through 11 and then isaiah 52 13 and 53 12 yeah, and that's actually a fifth one. People consider Isaiah 61, one through four, a servant song as well. Um, but yeah, yeah, let's go ahead and get into it, man. I don't want to get too much of a setting, you know, yeah. and didn't take up too much time. But we're going to go ahead and read verses one through 13. And normally me and Justin, uh, yeah, we, we, we have a lot to say with verses. So we'll see how far we can get today. It'd be awesome mm -hmm. if we saw all 13. So I'm going to try to be brief. I'm not looking at no notes today. All right, so I'm coming from the King James Version Bible, Isaiah 49. Hey, I'll read verses 1 through 7, and then you'll read 8 through 13. How's that sound? Good. All right, so listen, O isles, unto me, and hearken, ye people from far. The Lord hath called me from the womb, from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name. He hath made my mouth like a sharp sword, and the shadow of his hand hath he hid me and made me a polished shaft. In his quiver hath he hid me. And he said unto me, Thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. Then I said, I have labored in vain. I have spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. And now said the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Through it, Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. And my God shall be my strength. And he said, it is a light thing that thou shouldest be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. Thus saith the Lord, the Redeemer of Israel and his Holy One to him whom man despiseth, to him whom the nation abhorreth, to the servant of rulers, kings shall see and arise, princes also shall worship because of the Lord that is faithful and the Holy One of Israel, He and he shall choose thee. That says, oh, did I say this? Oh, yeah, I'm re eight. <laughs> or did I say you re eight? <laughs> yeah. Okay. This is what the Lord says. In the time of my favor, I will answer you. And in the day of salvation, I will help you. I will keep you and will make you to be a covenant for the people, to restore the land and to reassign its desolate inheritances to say to the captives, come out, and to those in darkness, be free. They will feed beside the roads and find pasture on every barren hill. They will neither hunger nor thirst, nor will the desert heat or the sun beat down on them. He who has compassion on them will guide them and will lead them besides, besides springs of water. I will turn all my mountains into roads and my highways will be raised up. See, they will come from afar, some from the north, some from the west, some from the region of Aswan. Shout for joy, you heavens, 
Rejoice, you earth, burst into song, you mountains. For the Lord can comforts his people and will have compassion on his afflicted ones. All right. So uh, I didn't say the key verse. So today, again, guys, the title of my lesson and the Sunday school lesson that we're doing is God foretells of redemption. And the key verse is Isaiah 49, uh, verse 8. We just read it. But I'm going to read it again. Thus says the Lord, in an acceptable time, have I heard thee, and in the day of salvation I have helped thee, and I will preserve thee and give thee for a covenant of the people to establish the earth to cost to inherit the desolate heritages. Okay, so man, what a passage, man. At first, when I first read this, man, I ain't gonna lie, I was confused. Like, I was all over the place because I couldn't figure out who was talking, who was this specifically for, and I right. couldn't figure out if, if I was, you know, <laughs> the servant. Yeah, like, First of people of Israel were supposed to be the servants, but no. But I think that's a really important part is, I, I don't want to get too ahead of myself, but like that's an important part of why God is entrusting Jesus to do this. Because, oh man, every covenant God has with people, um, like his covenant with Adam, Adam fell from, Adam fell from like grace and like was kicked out of the garden. His um he started over with Noah and his family. Noah so he started a covenant with him. Noah sinned and then the rest of their descendants lived in sin. Um who else? I'm blanking. I don't know. Just just lots of people that he tried to make a covenant with and they always fell. Like the important part about Abraham is when he tried to make a covenant with Abraham, if you notice the ritual I won't get too deep into this, but the ritual actually, the way it was performed showed that it wasn't on Abraham's head that um, the covenant was fulfilled. The way God, the way he performed it meant God uh, would be in charge of that. So you notice that's the last major covenant because every human failed. But if God was in control of it, that covenant would succeed. And this is why it's important for Jesus, our Messiah, to take over for this because man, Israel's already failed. Um, Isaiah's already noted how they're going to fail and what sin they're going to live with. So it's important for this chapter and the other, um, the other songs that Jesus is taking the reins because there's no way that he would fail. Right. Yeah, I'm trying to see where I should go next. I don't know if we should go verse by verse, but you know, let's try it. I guess um, I'm gonna share my screen so people can see it while we break it down. Um, uh, like yeah, I should have did that to begin when I was reading it, but let's start with the first verse and break it down because I feel like Israel failed, but how did they fail? What was the task that they needed to do? Because this is what the God is calling this servant to take up the baton, fail to carry to do. Like, so in the race, you know, you have a baton you got to carry. If you don't have the baton, you're disqualified. Like if it falls to the ground or something like that. But Jesus picked it up and finished the race for us. So, you know, what was the mission that God called us to do that we failed to do? So, like, here it is. So let's start off with the first verse. You know, listen all owls unto me and hearken ye people from afar. So that's the first part right there. Ye people from afar. So, like, and then ye owls right there. So, and then it says listen, right? So God God is speaking here. This is what I had to figure out. Let me finish reading. Listen, all owls unto me, and hearken ye people from afar. The Lord hath called me from the womb, 
and from the bowels of my mother have he made mention of my name. Okay, so Jesus is talking right here, the Messiah, yeah. the servant, right? Yeah, and so then, you know, go ahead. servant from now on, it's going to be referring to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, and just some context for that. Um, when he says, oh, Isles, that's kind of referring to, that's kind of almost like slang to say people who have distanced themselves. So he's Great. talking who have kind of fallen from God, fallen from the ways, just like separated themselves. Yeah. So, yeah, that's why I was trying to look up the definition for owls. So uh, from the study that we had, it basically means a place from afar, far away from him. And mm -hmm. God is so God. So the Messiah, the servant, Jesus, you know, he's speaking for people afar and he's telling them they need to listen to this message. So, you know, uh, he's saying that all people like listen means pay attention. Right. Like it means to take note of, you know, to take notice and to give your full attention to, right? So everybody's called to give full attention to whenever Jesus speaks, whenever the servant's speaking. Like we need to heed and obey and listen to and being to whatever he's saying to do, right? And so he's about to tell us to do something here. So, um, yeah, let's go to that next part. The Lord hath called me from the womb and from the bowels of my mother hath he made mention of my name, right? So I need to stop sharing my screen so I can see my stuff. <laughs> see, and make sure I know everything's going well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, did you have anything for that next part? Yeah, for that part, like it's, uh, it's, I always like that because that shows that God had a plan. Like when Isaiah is prophesying, you already see like the destruction and desolation that's going to happen. But that's not the end of it. Like, there are tons of verses that show the good and the bad of our, and the consequences of our action. Like, for the wages of sin is death. Like, if it just stopped there, that'd be super depressing. But the end of that is, but the gift of God is life everlasting in Christ Jesus. So you have, like, the bad news and the good news, kind of. This is the same for that. Like, even though Israel has fallen away, it shows that even before Jesus was in the womb, like God had a plan for our salvation. Yeah. Like there's so many quotes that goes with preparation, right? Like we hear it all the time, like successful and motivational people say a lot of stuff with preparation, right? And here goes some stuff like, I love quotes. So like one quote is like, you perform the way you prepare. That's so deep, man. Like, <laughs> and, that's and that's then, catchy too. I like that. Yeah. And then another one is like, what you prepare for, you receive. Mm -hmm. And today's preparation determines tomorrow's achievements. Mm -hmm. it, I, I, I have a lot of them. Like proper preparation prevents poor performance. Mm -hmm. So like, oh my gosh, that's so deep. So like what God does with us, he's already provided the way. He's already prepared the way for all of us. So this mm -hmm. is applicable to us. So Jesus is only taking up our mantle. He's only, Well, that's a bad way of saying it. Jesus only picked up the baton that we should have did initially. Like God has called each and every single one of us. He has called us from the womb. It says that about Paul. It said that about Samuel. It said that about a lot of people like prophesying over who's next in line. Like who's about to, who's God going to use to like restore the land, to re restore his people. Like he called a few people, right? But Jesus, like nobody did or could do what he did, right? He fulfilled what we couldn't on multiple levels for everybody right so like guys calling him from the womb it's, it's a little different right 
but here goes some quotes for all of us. Like those whom God chooses to use as his servant, he fashions and prepares them long before anyone or they even knew, you know, or was aware of their calling, right? So, yeah, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm pretty sure I can say a lot more, but I think we should do the next verse for time. Unless you had anything else. No, I'm good. All right, so verse two, it reads, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword in the shadow of his hand hath he hit me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hid me. All right. Yeah. So the sharp sword. Oh, go ahead. Yeah. I just like that imagery though. Like the especially like the polished shaft or like a like a sword. Like for a lot of weapons, if it's not polished, if it's not if you don't have all the nicks or it has a lot of impurities, it's not going to work as well. Hmm. So just like that imagery where Jesus is not just a weapon, but he's a polished weapon. He's something that's going not going to have like any impurities and like slice through slice through muscle, slice through sinew. Like it's gonna slice through everything. Yeah. Yeah. I like what they said too. Like it says a sharp arrow, right? Sharp sword. It did it say sharp arrow? Okay, maybe it was in different versions. A polished shaft. I think a polished shaft is an arrow. Yeah, that's it. That's what it was. Uh-huh. So it says polished shaft, which means it's sharpened just like a sword and a sharpened sword, right? And so that's mm-hmm. powerful too, because like the sword part, and he hath made my mouth like a sharp sword. Like nobody's mouth is like Jesus's mouth. Like, uh-huh. you know, like nobody's mouth is like God's mouth. Like when we speak, can we? create universes like multi-universes like marvel like you know can we, can we create people through our own image like you know like god can can we you know what i'm saying like no you can't nobody can do what god can do right and it literally said his his mouth is like a sharp sword and we know from the bible hebrews 4 12 you know that the word of god is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword like the word of god is a sword i think that's what paul called it in ephesians 6 right the sword of the word of god or something right he said something like that yeah 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 word of like a double-edged sword yeah yeah so like the word of god is a double-edged sword so that's guys that's jesus's mouth that's the servant's mouth here like it's literally a sharp sword man and we know that because like there was times in his ministry when he spoke and stuff happened like he could raise the dead demons bowed down to his name and at his voice like you know and then not to mention like before he was before they try to throw him off a cliff and he was pushed to the edge of the cliff in Nazareth in Luke 4, uh, he spoke and the crowd just parted. So they, they, were, they were about to throw him off a cliff, but they just parted and he just walked away from his voice. And same thing before they crucified him. Like, that's one of my favorite. We should, that would be the most greatest sermon and lesson ever. But right before they, the Sanhedrin, like all the religious people who came with the Roman guard, like they came with like hundreds of people. I don't know how many people it was when they first came to the garden of Gethsemane to get him. Uh, when he was with the disciples praying, and when they first came to him, uh, they said that he spoke and everybody got down on their knees. Like uh-huh. nobody ever talks about that really. I only heard one sermon on it ever in my life. So he spoke uh-huh. and everybody, hundreds of people, went down on their knee- knees. And he said, uh-huh. "Okay, now you can take me." And then they took him. Like just that alone. That alone should have stopped you from doing what you knew was wrong, right? Like that was his voice, right? So that's the power that Jesus has with his voice. And like, and there's so many other passages we could talk about, but you guys get it, man. Like this servant's like no other when he speaks, right? 
We already know the teaching. Still, it still goes on today. All right, so I'm talking too much. In the shadow of the hand, hath he hit me, right? So that part is powerful too. I don't know if you thought about anything with that. Um, I did because, like, I I've always thought about um, the fact that Jesus didn't start really start his ministry till he was like 30 years old. It was like God was like preparing him, or he was preparing himself, or he was waiting for the right moment. Like everything is in God's timing. Like even like everything with Israel is in God's timing as well. So when Jesus was ready to start his ministry, like he started his ministry, when he, when the Pharisees or the Romans were trying to bring him down, like God protected him and concealed him. When it was time for him to be hung on the cross, then like, I guess that concealment came off and it was his time. Mm -hmm. But like, I think that's important to realize that we, that God does promise our protection if we're following in his will. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Quit. What does it say? It's like, he's an arrow on a quiver. So like he's being, he's almost being like used as ammunition for when the time is right. (laughs) Yeah. That's, that's one point I had. I forgot about that. It says, uh, Jesus can deal with conflicts both near and far. So near is the sword because the sword is close to you, right? Far is the arrow because you're shooting it out. Uh, make that connection i like that though yeah and then something else too i'll just go to that next i'll finish it out uh in the shadow of his hand hath he hit me and made me a polished shaft in his quiver hath he hit me so it says hit twice like that's so powerful he hit him in his quiver so the serve this servant the this uh yeah this servant was hit in god's quiver and then also in the shadow of his hand. So that is, that's like double protection. You know what I'm saying? So uh, there's so much with that. But like quiver, it typically refers to the pouch of uh, arrows that an archer would normally have on his back, right? So it's a lot of arrows back there, right? And then this this shaft, so this arrow, that's what it means. It's, it's so sharp that when you shoot it out, like the sharper it is, the straighter the it goes on the path. Like, the more mm-hmm. it won't deter from the path. So yeah. Yeah, they say if it's a dull arrow, it'll, you know, be crooked and just go. Like, but if it's a you know, po- nice polished arrow, it's gonna go exactly where the archer, you know, pinpoints it and wants it to go. And that's what G- uh, God was doing with Jesus. He was pulling them back, getting them ready, man, like and protecting them. He was in God's pouch, right? Because we know that from like, you know, for example, when King Hayrod was king and he heard another king was born. First thing he did was kill all the babies because he he was, he was threatened, right? <laughs> like there was many like that's crazy. Like how in the Bible we only hear about when Jesus was twelve, and then we don't hear about him again till he's thirty, right? Yeah. So I always yeah I always think about that. Right. So God was literally protecting him, and that is so powerful to me because like the life application there is like, do you feel like just imagine Jesus, man? Like imagine Jesus real quick. Like you don't you're not really known like you have the power to do anything right like you have the, the talent the power to do it all right so you see people that's sick in your community that has a disability you can heal them but it's not the time right then you see that uh people are dying that's close to you that's a family friend or a family member like and you have the power to raise the dead but you can't because it's not the time like mm-hmm. just just think about that like you're 12 you know more than all the religious leaders man you should be teaching, yet you're at your, your parents' house. Like, <laughs> you know, like just think about Jesus, like that humility. 
And then on top of that, you like I I feel so bad because I'm 29 at my parents' house, right? Like no church, not a preacher, no kids, not married. I didn't keep on going. But Jesus was 30 at his parents' house. He was a carpenter. Like, how do you think he felt? You know what I mean? Like with his talent, what he could do. So like that's that goes back to like we're about to see that in verse four. But God, you know, Jesus, he can relate with us. We have a high priest that he can sympathize with us and empathize with us, and he knows exactly what we are experiencing. So yeah, like whatever you're going, like this passage right here, just that part alone taught me that, you know, here goes a quote. It is often in those quiet years that God is doing something in a person, right? He's preparing them for what God has has planned for them. So the quiet years, they aren't wasted years, man. So God is not wasting your time. You know, God is up to something. He is at work. He, He is not wasting your years either. He's getting you and me both ready. You know, so this season of your life that you feel like it's just going by is for nothing, it's it's pointless, like it's not, you know, it's for a reason, man. God's doing something behind it. So I know that touches somebody, man, but that's what I got with that passage right there. And yeah, that's actually gonna pop up more in some of the later verses. I forgot which one. It's talking about like uh when Jesus is saying his work is in vain, that's gonna pop up in some verses for sure. Yeah, verse four. So I'm pretty sure we'll get to it, man. So <laughs> Yeah, I well. Yeah. You want to go to that next verse or did you have something else for hidden? That's all I have for that one. Yeah, let's go ahead and go. I'm comfortable with the next one now. So the next verse is verse three of Isaiah 49. And and said unto me, thou art my servant, O Israel, in whom I will be glorified. So I don't have to look at my notes for this part. So like, man, that part is powerful. So God is speaking right here. So at first Jesus was talking. He was talking about the father preparing him, you know, and all that stuff. And then we see in verse three that God is talking and he said unto the servant, unto Jesus, you know, thou art my servant, O Israel. People get confused by that. And they think, you know, when they say Israel, it's talking about the nation of Israel. Well, it, you know, Jesus is called Israel too. Like, you know, so yeah. that's another yeah. name for God and Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Were you going to say something? No, I was just saying, yeah, that part confused me a little bit too. Yeah. And then also it. Yeah. Yeah. And then also we know that, uh, again, like we talked about, is the nation of Israel even glorifying God? Because that's what verse three is talking about. Like, in you, O Israel, will I be glorified, right? So this whole servant song is literally talking about one servant. Like, we should be doing this, but only one servant did it. Only one servant fulfilled this, this call. And we can only do it we can do it too, but we can only do it through his power and his strength. And we'll see that also in Isaiah 49. But the nation of Israel, you know, yeah, they're God's servant and everything. But this servant is talking, this is talking about Jesus. So, because only Jesus really glorified God the way that he wanted to be glorified. So, yeah, I got some other stuff I want to say, but do you have anything else, Justin? Yeah, I think like that's very important that this verse is here because the First and foremost, like, this is all for the glory of God. Like, we're not bringing a Messiah to save Israel just for the sake of saving Israel. Like, I, they are God's chosen people and they are important, but that's not the entire point. The main point is that God shows his glory, that his glory is shown through his people. And the only way that's going to happen, because Israel has fallen away and they're a sinful people, is if a Messiah who's blameless comes and glorifies god right yeah 
because that's some questions I have for everybody. Like, do you give God glory, the glory that he deserves? Is God glorified by each and every single thing that you do think and say in this life? Mm-hmm. This is what this verse means. Like, if you, the answer is a resounding no, obviously, this ain't you. Like, you know, so. <laughs> and then do you give God the praise he deserves? So that's an even deeper question, right? Mm-hmm. Like, heck no. Like, do you praise God like you should? And do you continually praise God throughout each and every single day like you know you should? Jesus mm-hmm. did. You know, Jesus was the only one. So, like, man, that's so powerful. So that's mm-hmm. that leads to another point. Like, if this whole passage so it just flows when it's just jesus but we try to add ourselves into the equation like okay this is about me like it just confuses things but mm-hmm. it flows when you literally just when you literally just put jesus's name for everything you know it just mm-hmm. makes sense because one of my points was where men fail god succeeds and where the nation of israel fell the true israel succeeded right so yeah like cool i think that's all i had to say Yeah, I think that's all I have for this verse too. Like, oh, part is just glorifying God. Yeah, and that's the thing too. It said that I, I forgot someone else. Thou art my servant, right? Like Jesus came to serve. That is so powerful. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, that's, a, that's a good point. <laughs> yeah, like uh, I'm trying to think of the life application I had. Like it says, we are here to serve as well, not to rule, right? Like Jesus could have came to rule. Yeah, yeah. That's what. Came- well, Jews expected him, the Messiah. Yeah, Yeah, and that's literally where I was going at. Like, (laughs) um, so if the Son of Man came not to serve, I mean, not to be served, but to serve. So what makes you think as his servant, you're not called to do the same thing? Like, are you greater than the master? Mm. So you're not, right? So if Jesus is a servant, what are you called to be? Like, Jesus was the greatest servant of them all. It says in Future verses we'll see in this passage that Jesus served kings. I think that was verse nine or something. But anyways, like he literally served kings. And he said also in the Bible that, you know, if you, to, to those who want to be the greatest, you must be a servant to all. That's mm-hmm. why Jesus is the servant. I mean, that's why Jesus is the one we're going to be praising forever. That's why Jesus is the perfect servant. Like this passage is talking about the suffering servant. That's why God puts Jesus on the same level as him. because of this he came to serve the world right not himself so yeah that that's that's so profound to us because are you serving people you know what i'm saying are you doing you know what god called us to do and serve the world so even when they don't deserve it and all that stuff which that goes to verse four so yeah let's go ahead and get to that <laughs> yeah uh, one thing just to piggyback on there before we go to four yeah when we when we concentrate on ourselves as well then and when we talked about this for relationships too. If we think about what good can this do for me or how can this benefit me? Or in this case, what can the Messiah do for me? That's probably why the Jews thought the Messiah was going to be a ruler because they wanted the Roman government out of their city. So they were concentrated on what could the Messiah do for them instead of what's, what is, uh, what can they do for the Messiah or what they can do for God? Because when you concentrate on other people, you're going to be where God wants you to be. Man, like you're going deep, man. Like I might as well just say it. So like, 
are you expecting God to be the way you want him to be? Because he's not going to come like you want a lot of times. He's going to come like what you need, right? So mm-hmm. uh, same thing with this Messiah here. Like, you know, the Jews, what my uh, Isaiah was prophesying, you know, those Jews in the future during this time period, they're going to want, you know, Jesus to save them from Roman captivity and all that stuff. But mm-hmm. Jesus came to serve, to seek, and save the lost and not to rule right like that's that's the whole thing that's the mission that's really what this is prophesying about as well and then it all leads to you know freedom from all adversity and oppression and all that stuff in the millennial you know kingdom i think that's what it's called but in the millennial rule so mm-hmm. yeah yeah but that's deep man like we could just focus on that like honestly it'd be cool to just do a video on every verse but that's not possible right now but um yeah, you ready to go to verse four? Yeah, let's go to four. All right. So verse four reads, Then I said, I have labored in vain, and I spent my strength for naught and in vain. Yet surely my judgment is with the Lord and my work with my God. All right. So I think this is my favorite part. <laughs> hey, that, that depressed that verse depressed me a little bit though. Yeah. Yeah. Why was that your favorite part? Why? Oh, because you remember how I said Jesus can understand and relate to everything that we have gone through? Yeah. Like, for this is the Messiah talking right here. Like, some people debate and think it's, like, us talking or something. I don't know how you get that when, you know, the whole thing's about Jesus, right? Like, the whole thing is either God talking or Jesus. That's what I'm seeing from verses yeah. 1 to 13, right? It so, was us. Yeah, and then also, if you just put into the equation that Jesus was human like us, he struggled with human struggles like we did right human temptations and all that stuff that's literally a bible verse so you can't neglect the emotion like did he feel anger at times yes so obviously he will feel frustrated at times disappointed at times especially with what he had to work with like what did he have to work with the disciples how many times did the disciples fail him how many times did the disciples not do what he told them to do and then not only that how how many times did the people around him not it, just in Nazareth, like I talked about before, or in any community, like deny his teaching, deny his doctrine, deny what he was saying. And this is God in the flesh. Like, how would that feel if you're God, you know everything, you created everybody, and yet you're humble, and you don't force it down people's throat. You don't say, like, do this, or else. like, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. Like, obviously, you're going to get frustrated. That's you know, a part, yeah. I mean, that's a part of giving us freedom as well. He's not going to force it down our throats. But yeah, th- that's such a good point because, like, when I was reading this, I thought I was, uh, like, man, I, I was just a little discouraged because, like, uh, Jesus was saying, oh, man, all this work was, like, useless or in vain. I was thinking, oh, don't say that, Jesus. You did a great job. Yeah. How, yeah, how relatable is that? When we think our ministry or reaching out to other people doesn't connect to their hearts. Like how discouraged do we get? But just saying like, even, even when Jesus is discouraged or even when we're discouraged, like nothing for God is in vain. Like when, when we reach out to somebody, like we did our best. We put the word out. Like we won't be judged for that. The person who heard it is going to be judged for whether they took in the words or not. So we have to remember that it's not all on us. It's also going to, like, that's God's business, whether it's going to soften or harden their hearts. Right. 
Yeah, and that leads to like a lot of points I had. Like one point was like despite Jesus's high calling, so despite this Messiah, this this servant, this servant's high calling, you know, the servant's reply to God was with discouragement, right? So like no matter how high you are, no matter what position you are in life, no matter how rich you are, I don't care what pedestal you think you're on, no matter how beautiful you are, no matter how great you are. Like you're gonna face trials, you're gonna face problems, you're gonna face adversity. Mm -hmm. Like if Jesus couldn't get away from it, you definitely can't. Like so, like that's the that's one point from that verse. Yeah, that's true. Gosh, that's. And then another point was, uh, it's really the same thing. Well, we we must remain faithful and committed, and not think, uh, not think that it's a strange thing to be slighted. When the master himself was slighted, so like we know that the Romans persecuted him, and the, and the uh, not the Romans, but yeah, technically it was the Romans and the Pharisees, the religious people, all of them, Body. like they all, yeah, they all schemed to get him. So everybody, yeah, because everybody was like crucified, crucified, like they all joined together. So like the crowd, went with what everybody else in the crowd was doing instead of what was right, right? So everybody slided him. Even the disciples, they turned against him. So like if everybody turned on Jesus. Are you above people turning on you? Like, so people are gonna turn on you too. So, yeah, man. Like, <laughs> he was taking advantage of too. Like, they literally made, you know, the Pharisees scheme just to make themselves look better. Like, you know, to kill him. Like, you, you get what I'm saying. So the second point was like, the work has not. Uh, the work wasn't easy for Jesus, so it's definitely not gonna be easy for you, right? Jesus faced resistance, you know, through all his work, and he he even felt like his work was in vain. So at times you're going to face resistance. You're going to face obstacles in the work that even God calls you to do. So in God's work, in the Lord's work, see, a lot of people think because you're doing the Lord's work, blessings are going to come. You know, it's going to be easy. Like this is, you know, a cakewalk. God does not want that, unfortunately. Yeah, man. Like I had so many points just with this part. Like this, I told you it was my favorite. Like another point is, is sometimes you aren't going to get the response to your ministry that you want. Like a lot of times we have an idea of what success looks like in our ministry, but that's not it. God has something else in store. His version of success is a lot different than ours a lot of times. And you're just going to get discouraged if you keep on having, you know, your plans in your mind and not just focusing on what God wants and his will for your life. That's the whole thing idea too. That's where it boils down to the foundation. You know, what's your motive and your intention behind your ministry, behind what you're doing for the Lord? Because if it ain't the right one, when you feel discouraged, because it's going to happen, when you feel like you've been slighted, when you feel like your labor's in vain, you're going to quit if it's not the right reasons, right? The Mm -hmm. right intentions and motives. So, yeah, sometimes in our ministry, servants of God and the work that we do for the Lord produces very little fruit and sometimes no results at all. Like Jeremiah, perfect example, man. Yes. That is a perfect example. I don't think he, he said that he didn't save anybody. Like, no, nothing happened. Right? He, is that him? I to just kill him. Like, right. he, he like he, just, he didn't think he was doing any good. Yeah, he just man. tried to, like, kill him and, like, take him away from his misery. Gosh, yeah. poor. Right. And, but, like, some people have that in their lives. Like, they're experiencing that, right? So, you mm. know, it's easy to get discouraged for lack of visible yeah. success, right? But... Your ministry ain't based on, you know, that doesn't define you, right? Like, it doesn't mean a hill of beans. Like, 
God's yeah. your reward, right? Oh, that's the next part. Yeah, God's your reward, man. Like He's gonna vindicate you, and He's gonna restore you of everything that you you done. So I'm gonna wait to get to that. But mm. uh, yeah, did you have anything else, man? No, not for this part, man. Yeah, I had so much, man. Like you know, Jesus, j- despite how Jesus felt, He still did the work. Yes, yeah, that is <laughs> true. Yeah, cause like as um, well, Paul is later, but it still applies. Yeah, because like Paul said to run the marathon, that's what Jesus did. Man, Jesus, do you remember in the garden, like Jesus was praying that God would take this, if possible, for God to take this cup from him. Mm-hmm. Like was um, he was the uh, in Luke. Luke was a physician, so he yeah he was like a he puts in a lot of verses that actually have a medical reason behind it. But it was saying like Jesus was sweating blood. That only happens through hemo, hematidrosis. That's when you get so stressed that your blood vessels are like rupturing underneath your skin. Like he was so stressed that he asked God to like take this from him if he could. But knowing that this wasn't God's plan, like he still went through with it. Even though like he didn't have any proof of how many people he was probably reaching, which was very few, like especially when people left him. Like he still followed through because he knew this was for God's glory, yeah. and that's just insane to me. Yeah, man, it's just oh, man, it's just so much with that verse. That verse, like, I need to. I now I know what video I could do right now, like verse four. Just, just read all my notes on verse four. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Because I mean, just do your part. Like that's another thing I had to say. You remember First Corinthians three five through nine? Apollos watered, and I planted. No, I watered. Oh. And yeah. Apollos planted, uh, but God's over the increase, right? So you want the increase to happen. That's all in God's time. Sometimes your increase ain't going to happen until eternity. It's not going to happen here on this earth. And that's a lot of people. I would say it's for most people, right? So uh, your labor is not in vain, man. Just keep on watering, keep on planting, keep on doing your part in the kingdom of God and what God called you to do. And your reward is going to be great. So, you know, you're not always going to be in the mood. You know, Jesus wasn't always in the mood to do God's work. <laughs> That's what verse four said. And to say that he was, it's to deny that he was human and God. Like, you know what I'm saying? It, it doesn't go, it's not one and then the other. Yes, everybody wants to say God, yeah, but like he was human too. Like it's it's a balance, right? So he had the same struggles as, as we did, but he did God's work anyways, no matter how he felt. That's that's what we need to do. You need Your feelings need to be out the equation when it comes to God's work, man. Like, so do it while you're discouraged, you're frustrated, tired, weary. Don't feel like it, no matter how you feel. Keep showing up. Keep being available. Keep doing the work. You know, don't stop doing the Lord's work ever because it's the growth, you know, the increase. It's, you have a part to play in it. You know, it's God's part and you do your part, right? So, man, that's so powerful for me. We're co-workers with God. We're partakers with God. That's so many scripture verses, man. All the Bibles come together like the more we read it. So, oh, man, like, dang, you're- man, it's so... <laughs> Yeah, you really could do a full Bible study on that verse alone. Yeah, I'm gonna stop, man. I got too many points. I gotta stop, man. Like, I have like a lot more points. I, I didn't realize how much I had with that. <laughs> yeah, dang, I don't even want to stop, but okay. Verse five, you ready for it? You had anything else? No, no, no. Let's go to verse five. All right. And now said the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant. So this is Jesus talking, guys. Um, mm. To bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. Oh, wait, we didn't finish verse four, man. Like, 
we did the first part, but we didn't say that next part. Uh, let's see. So, oh, uh, right, yeah. What is due me is in the Lord's hand. Yeah. And my reward is with my God. Yeah, that basically goes with what I said. I guess I kind of hit that already, but yeah, yeah, yeah my it, work. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, it definitely goes into like what we were talking about in First Kings seven, I think. Like just build. Where are we building our foundation? Or where are we expecting our rewards? Or um, one of Jesus's uh, parables as well. Like, uh, where are we keeping our treasures? Are we like collecting all our riches and treasure, treasures here on earth? Or are we expecting them from, are we uh, gathering them up with God? Like something that's going to be permanent. So yeah. Jesus, uh, Jesus has a good focal point in that his rewards are with God. It's not anything else um that's in vain here on earth or it's not what ecclesiastes was saying that is just going to become the dirt of the earth again it's something that's internal that god has for when uh we meet him one day when you're preaching man why you do that man yeah we're storing up treasures in heaven like all our work for god we're storing up riches and treasures and rewards in heaven like you said we talked about also in first corinthians 3 you know, you're either, what foundation are you building on? If you're building the foundation on Jesus, yeah. if your work that you in your ministerial work and all, everything that you're doing in life, if it's for the Lord, if everything you're doing is for Jesus, like Jesus is your foundation. If you're doing what God calls you to do, Jesus is your foundation. So that means your reward is going to be great. You're, yeah. you're storing up for yourself gold, silver, and precious stones. But if you're, if the foundation isn't on Jesus, if your intention and motives are in the wrong place, if you're doing it for money, you're doing it for yourself, you're doing it for fame, your foundation's wrong already. And that could be in different areas of life, right? So that means your reward is going to be wood, hay, and stubble. So when you're, when you're, when the judgment day comes and you're being judged on your rewards and the work that you did for the Lord, will it be able to stand the test of the fire? Because if it doesn't, you're not going to receive a reward for it, right? So what Jesus is saying, you know, even though I feel like on earth, you know, what I'm doing is not working out, I'm storing up treasures in heaven. So my rewards with God, he has my reward and glory. Mentions being made for me, but, you know, it's a little bit more for him. <laughs> so, like, <laughs> so, so yeah, man, like my, my work with my God, that's what he was saying. So God, it's all in God's hands, man. He's over the increase. The increase will come. It may not come in this lifetime, but it's coming. You know, it's coming soon. And that's what Paul said in Romans 8, 18. You know, I could, I consider what we suffer at this present time. Can I compare it all to the glory that will be revealed to us, right? Yeah. And then all things work together for good to those that love the Lord are called according to his purpose. Romans 8, 28. Like, all the Bible's coming together, man. It's so crazy, man. But, like, yeah, my judgment is with the Lord. So, man, like, even though people can have their opinion already, like, the, the, the Pharisees, they didn't agree with what Jesus was doing. It wasn't enough. Like, you know. You're doing it wrong. Like even the Jews all together, if you're the Messiah, you could have done way more for us. Like, you know, <laughs> so like, you know, you didn't, you didn't get rid of the Romans like we wanted you to. Like, so yeah. like, there's just so many things that, you know, even Jesus didn't please everybody. Right. Yeah. But his is with God, man. That is so powerful. Yeah. You know, <laughs> his vindication, his reward is with God. He don't need to be rewarded by people. We don't even be rewarded by people. We need to be rewarded by God. So, yeah. That verse, man. Oh, my, you see where I'm going at, man? <laughs> Good verse. Oh, that verse is so powerful, man. All right, I'm ready for five. I, I, if I think about it more, I'm just going to keep on going. 
I kind of read it already. Did you want to yeah. go ahead and talk about it? Oh, read it. Uh, yeah, we can talk about it. You did kind of read it. All right, I'm going to read it again. And now said the Lord that formed me from the womb to be his servant, to bring Jacob again to him. Though Israel be not gathered, yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord, and my God shall be my strength. So he's basically repeating what God said back to him. That's the first thing I got. So, yeah, it, that threw me a little off, too, because I found out Jacob could also mean like Israel. Yeah. So he's still talking about the, uh, he's still talking about the uh, nation Israel. Yeah, this time. So, like, we know that when it mentioned Israel in verse three, it was talking about Jesus, you know, the servant, right? But in verse five, you know, one thing we learned in the Old Testament is anytime they say the word Jacob, well, anytime God says the word Jacob, that means he's mad at Israel. Like, if you look at it anytime, yeah, <laughs> and he says, he did that with Jacob too. Like, like you know, he changed his name to Israel, right? So when he changed Jacob's name to Israel, anytime Jacob messed up, he would call him Jacob. He wouldn't call him Israel. Oh, yeah. okay. So, That's a, <laughs> I like the part though where it's saying like Jacob or Israel, even before, um, like the version you had, you were saying like even before they were gathered. Like Jesus would still be honored. He would still be glorified. He'd still be doing the work. I like that because it shows that God isn't waiting for us to do the right thing because that'd be forever. Oh, He's taking the initiative on this. It's kind of yeah. like, it's kind of like uh, the verses that say uh, before, before we did anything, like God loved us already. So I think this is powerful because it just shows like it shows like God doesn't have to wait for us or he doesn't wait, have to wait for our conditions. Like he's in control of this all the way because if he were waiting on us, we'd still be waiting. That is so powerful, man. Like I've been seeing so many quotes that says like God's love for you isn't based on your performances. is isn't based on what you do. It isn't based on anything. It ain't based on who you are. It's just based on who he is. Yeah. That's all it is. So, like, God did this before he formed me in the womb. He already done made this plan. That's what he said. The first thing he said, that's so powerful that you pointed that out. To bring uh, Jacob again to him. Oh, were you going to say something else? Oh, no, no. I was agreeing with you. Yeah, and then it said to bring Jacob again to him. So, bring Israel. So, Jacob's another name for Israel. The nation of Israel this time. Again to him. Like, how many times? It says again. How many times has God brought the nation of Israel back to him. That is powerful. Like, how many times do they need? Like, <laughs> but that I can't shows love. I yeah, and because I know, I know we'd still be making mistakes now. Yeah. I feel like it was like really hard on the disciples or Israel. But man, I know if I were like following Jesus, he'd be getting on to me a lot more than he did Paul. Right. Me too. Well, yeah, man, like he's gathering them again and again. That means God's love's unconditional. He's going to keep on fighting for you. He's going to yeah. keep on making a way for you. He's going to keep on crossing oceans for you no matter what you do. He's in love. That's the promise. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. the promise. The promise isn't that things are going to be easy. Like you you said that before, like God it doesn't promise that if we follow him, things are going to be easy. If anything, it's going to be harder because the devil's going to try to stop us. But he does promise that he's going to be with us and he's going to make a way for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 
All right, so I'm gonna go to that next part before I do something, say something else. Though Israel be not gathered. Okay, so yeah, so the next that's talking about the nation of Israel again. They're not gathered together, so they're not in one place. They're scattered all over because after Babylonian captivity, you know, after the Babylonians took over their land and took them hostage and all that stuff, like even after the exile, like they're all scattered everywhere. Like some Israelites were still actually uh, scattered in the uh, in the in the rubble. Like they're still in mm. Jerusalem and Israel when after the you know after. Uh, the exile and everything. So they're in the outskirts still there. Same thing for uh, the ones that were in Babylonian captivity and in Persian kept, you know, with the Persians, like they got, they were, uh, they were in the culture. So like, they didn't even want to go back to, yeah. to, to the promised land or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, they're all scattered and God's saying, I'm going to bring them all back. So look at that next part. Yet shall I be glorious in the eyes of the Lord and my, God shall be my strength. So even though it looks impossible and everybody's scattered, it looks like an impossible task. That's how I take that. Like, get what God said will still come about. Like that's that. That's what I'm seeing. So, yeah, well, I still be glorious in the eyes of the Lord. So that is real powerful. I don't want to focus on that too much, but yeah, how did Jesus glorify God? Like, how did he honor God? Other versions said honor God. Mm. So, and that's another thing too. Like. Oh man, like it says, my strength shall be with, uh, and my God shall be my strength. So apparently, whatever God's calling the servant to do is gonna be a, it's gonna be a daunting task. Like it's gonna, t- it's gonna mm. take a lot, right? It's not gonna be easy. And that's why he said in verse four, like, you know, I feel like this is in vain. Like, what's the point of doing all this if God got to keep on bringing Jacob, bringing Israel, the nation of Israel, back to him? Like, they're yeah. just gonna keep on failing him. They're gonna keep on making mistakes. We're gonna keep on sinning. Like, why am I going to die for their sins? That's where he's getting at. Like, because that honors God, right? He had to do that so we could come, so we can have a relationship with God. That's the whole point of this whole passage. Like, Jesus is our mediator. He's the reason why we, he's the, he's the covenant that brings us to God. I, don't, I really don't want to spoil verse 8 because that was the key verse. But, <laughs> but yeah, we're, we're going there now. But, like, yeah, that's how Jesus honored God because he brought us to him. He brought man and God back in relationship with each other when sin was tearing us apart and we didn't want and we were showing that we didn't want to be with him so my God shall be my strength so God is Jesus's strength he's the servant strength through doing this task that God has called him to do this impossible task that the nation of Israel obviously failed to do and couldn't do so Jesus had to make a way for them to do it all right so <laughs> I have to say all that <laughs> yeah. you ready for six or you want to say something else with five um, no, I think I'm good. You think we can finish up six and seven for the video? We'll see. Six look like, six look like a lot. I don't know. Yeah. I'll go ahead and read it. Verse six, and he said, it is a light thing that thou should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to reserve, I mean, to restore the preserved of Israel. I will also give thee a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation unto the end of the earth. So God is answering uh, the Messiah, answering the servants, uh, their servants' uh, response. So the servant said, "You know, I've labored in vain. You know, my, I spent my strength for naught." And then God gives him this answer. You know, He says, "It's a like thing 
that thou should have been my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob. That is hilarious. Because God really said, yeah, you feel like this is for nothing. Yeah, you feel like your work's in vain. You know, it's a light thing, you know. <laughs> he said, I'm going to do something else. Like, he was saying that it's a light thing just to bring the tribe of Jake, uh, Jacob. He used Jacob again. So the yeah. tribe of the nation of Israel, the Jews, it's a light thing just to bring them. We're going to get everybody else too. The whole world, the Gentiles, yeah. <laughs> I think there's some encouragement to that too, because yeah. suddenly like God is telling him that everything Jesus is doing is also going to be for the Gentiles or the rest of the earth. So yeah, it, yeah, it was kind of funny to say, Oh no, it's not just for them. We're going to include everybody like that. That seems daunting, but at the same time, that's encouraging because I don't know that, I don't know. That just seems nice that, you realize that maybe Jesus's work isn't in vain. Like it's actually reaching everybody that it can. Yeah. Yeah. And to restore the preserve. Oh man, I missed that part. And to restore the preserve of Israel. So it was two things. It's a light thing that thou should be my servant. So this servant, this Jesus is God's servant, right? To raise up the tribes of Jacob. That's one thing and to reserve the preserved of Israel. So the preserved of Israel, I think that's the ones that didn't have to deal with the captivity and they were still in the land, but just scattered oh. the land. Oh, oh okay, yeah. I didn't get that part. Or the preserved of Israel, like, I don't. I mean, I don't know. It, <laughs> I'm not looking at my notes. <laughs> and preserved of Israel could be just uh, the ones left, the remnant, which I think that's what it is. Like, remnant. Got sent out after the exile, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Or just oh, yeah. Sa actual saved people, right? The preserved. Right? Yeah, yeah. So, and then the tribes of Jacob. So that could be everybody, like all the nations, even right. if they're not the remnant, right? Right. So I think it's two parts. And so how yeah. all the people were referred to was the tri like the tribes of Judah, yeah. Yeah. Jacob, yeah. sorry. Yeah. And then I will give thee for a light to the Gentiles that thou mayest be my salvation until the end of the earth all right so uh, i'm gonna just hurry and get to it so we got to try to jacob the preserve to israel and then a light to the gentiles so that means everybody gentiles mean if you're not jew like you weren't raised in israel like <laughs> this covenant's for you too so like these although that means everybody essentially right uh this messiah this servant will be the salvation until the ends of the earth like that's so powerful. So like this, God is making a covenant right now with this servant and saying, you'll be my salvation to the end of the earth. So anybody that thinks that this passage is, is speaking about them, like that, that, that points it out right there. Are you the salvation to the, yeah. to the whole earth? Like, did you die for everybody's sins? Like, I like that because yeah. in the, in the old Testament, it's almost always centered around Israel or God's people. Which is fair. Like, God is trying to make them a holy people to be an example for everyone else. But this scripture I like because this is one of the few times it's alluding to reaching everybody. And Jesus made it a point to the Jews that they're also trying to save the Gentiles. So I like this verse because it's it includes everybody. Like, a, in passages that concentrate so much on Israel, it's really interesting to see that um, it's already been foretold that the Messiah is going to be helping the Gentiles, the Jews, and everyone. Right, yeah. I think some some preachers said that in the commentary I read, too. In sermons I listened to, they said, you know, the Jews, 
like Peter and some of the disciples, most of them were Jews, so they only wanted to save the Jew. Right. Paul came around and they were like, you know, just go to the Gentiles. Like, because he even believed like the Gentiles meant to be saved too. Like, yeah. so the covenant isn't just for one group, it's for both, right? You can't just focus on one party, it's for everybody, right? So, and that's what that verse is talking about too. Like, if anybody thought the gospel was only for a certain group of people, that's not true either. Like, it's for everybody. Jesus is for everybody. So, yeah. All right, cool. That's all I got to say with that one. I think we're going to verse 7 like you want it. Oh, dang. It's 636, man. What's up? (laughs) All right, guys. I think this has to be the end of the video. Uh, I think Justin's probably talking to his uh, family. Oh, what's up, Justin? You're on mute right now or something. Can you hear me? Okay. Jose, let me get you off and put you back on. Hang up and come back. No, I can't hear you. All right, guys. Hopefully it works. Dang it. Nah, I'm calling you. I'm just going to call. Are you heading out? No, I can't hear you. Sorry, guys. You know how technology issues go sometimes. Um, I'm about to call Justin. Y'all make sure you don't call his number. You guys can see all these numbers on my, on my phone. Don't let me call nobody. You shouldn't be calling. Hey, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you, man. Sorry, I don't know what happened, man. I don't know. I don't know what happened either. Gosh, it was going so well too. I hate when that happens. Yeah. Did you want to do verse seven though, or you want to go ahead and head out? I think I need to start heading on out. Right, Plus, seven, seven's a seven has a lot to unpack. I feel like we need to do that one justice. Oh yeah, because I was gonna bring out Psalms one forty eight with that one. You know, I got that in the bag now. <laughs> oh, okay, good deal. Yeah. But all right, man. Uh, guys, thanks for tuning in this video. Uh, Justin, man, you can go ahead and head off if you want. But thanks for uh, everything, man. This lesson was great. Yeah, man. Good time. All right, man. I'll talk to you in a bit. Be safe. All right. Thanks, man. Talk all to right. you later. Peace. All right, everybody. Thanks for uh, tuning in to Upload Past Crossroads, my YouTube channel. Um, as you guys already know, uh, yeah, this is my Sunday school lesson that I just did for you guys. I didn't get to finish all of it. I was supposed to do uh, Isaiah 49, 1 through 13. I only did Isaiah 49, 1 through 6. So, yeah, I got to, you know, tomorrow sometime or later tonight maybe. I don't know. Hopefully God helps me to do uh, finish out this lesson. But I also will be doing this lesson uh, at my church as well. So, yeah, I'm just trying to, you know, go through it and get everything out so I can know what to summarize, what really to say and what not to say, because that's what doing videos on this topic helps me to do. But yeah, uh, guys, you make sure to, um, you know, follow me on all my social media platforms. So if you guys like this video and you want to see more like it, man, I 
I have a playlist on my YouTube channel titled Sunday School Lessons. So you can see all the Sunday School Lessons that I've done, you know, in my church and for my church or for my YouTube channel uh, for the International Sunday School Lesson. So a lot of people do that on YouTube. So I'm trying to be a part of that community and help out with those. But yeah, make sure to subscribe to my YouTube channel, Upload Past Crossroads. I also have a podcast on my every podcast platform you can think of. Uh, it's also called Upload Past Crossroads. Uh, go to my Facebook page and my LinkedIn. You can befriend me on there, Sean Christopher Jenkins. My Twitter, Snap, Instagram, and TikTok, at Trouble Don't Last. Trouble Don't Last, you know. So, and then also my other Instagram page is my underscore day underscore Bible and my Tumblr is Trouble Don't Last number one. And so, yeah, make sure to subscribe to Justin Lee Howell's YouTube channel as well, aka Einstein. He was just on a video with me. His uh, YouTube channel is titled Chaplain Log Chaplain Logs. And then, you know, his Facebook page is Justin Lee Howell. And then also again, my Facebook page, Sean Christopher Jenkins. So, guys, thanks for tuning in again. I pray that you guys enjoy this video. You know, share it with people you think is going to benefit. And I pray in Jesus' name, it just blesses the whole entire Sunday school community. So thanks for tuning in. I pray in Jesus' name I can help y'all uh, with doing more lessons so that you guys can be prepared on Sundays, you know, to do these Sunday school lessons or these uh, chapters in the Bible whenever you preach on or anything like that. So thanks for tuning in again. I'll talk to you guys later. Peace.